I'm so glad you're here this morning. Man, I am. I, I was really hoping you would be here. I, I prepared way too hard for nobody to show up. So I'm really glad uh, that you're here. Uh, you know, we, we throw that word around a lot, hope. You know, we use it in a lot of contexts. You know, I hope this happens. I, I, I hope I get that job. I hope I make the team. Man, I, I, I hope I pass that test. I hope I meet somebody. We use that word in many ways synonymously with the word wish. But there's a huge difference between a wish and a hope. You know, we, we, we wish for something, we just want something to happen, but we're really not sure it will. You know, it might happen, but it might not. It, it's possible, but it's not probable. You know, when I was young, uh, I learned before too many birthday candles blew out that that I learned that wishes didn't always come true. When I was young, I wished to be six foot seven and have athleticism like LeBron James. Well, how'd that work out, you know? When I was 30, I wished that my hair wouldn't fall out. Well, that didn't work out very well either. This week, I was wishing that my sermon would be done by Thursday. That didn't work out either. You know, we wish for a lot of things. I know in January, a lot of y'all were wishing that you would hit the Powerball. You know, I discouraged people to play, but a lot of you were like, man, it's $983 million. We got to play. And then somebody, I kind of said, man, it's a waste of your money. Why would you do that? It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And somebody came to me and kind of smart aleck said, you'd take it if I gave it to the church. Yeah, I can baptize that money. I'm pretty sure you know, we would. But, uh, but there, and I guess there's really nothing wrong with having wishes. There's nothing wrong with kind of having those fantasy-type dreams. But we really don't expect them to happen. But hope is different. Hope is this strong and, and this confident expectation that you put in something or someone. You know, we, when we hope in something, we say things like, man, I know this is going to work out. When we hope in something, we, we say, like, I'm sure this relationship, it's the one. I know if I can get this promotion, then life will get better. You see, we make a wish, but we put our hope in. We wish for something, but we put our hope in something or in someone. We put our hope in the faithfulness of our spouse or in the reliability of a job, or we put our hope in our health not failing. Here's the deal. Everybody here... Put your hope in something. We all pin our hope to something, and we hope that that hope comes through. Now, it doesn't matter who you are or how old you are or where you're from or how much you make or the education you have or even what your religion is. Everybody does this. We all put our hope in something or someone. And while everyone puts our hope in something... What we expect to come through doesn't always come through, right? And, and this pre presents a real dilemma for the human soul. The author of Proverbs says that, that whenever we, we have a desire fulfilled, it's like a tree of life, but hope that's deferred or hope that's put off or hope that's delayed is like our heart gets sick. You know, when hope is delayed, you, you put your hope in a quick recovery and then it takes months and maybe years and maybe it hadn't even happened yet. Or we put our, 
our, our hope in having children and your clock's ticking and all of a sudden you're starting to wonder, is this going to come through or not? Or we put our hope in a child coming back from a rebellious stage and they haven't yet. And that's frustrating. It, 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 it is. And, and one of the things that's worse than hope delayed is when hope gets derailed. You know, you're cruising along and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, in an instant, it just changes. My daughter and wife, my daughters and wife were here. My daughters and wife, make sure I had plural one, uh, plural, uh, plural daughters, one wife. My family was here in the last service. And uh, uh, my, when we moved when my daughter was going to be a junior, and it's really hard to move teenagers. And she said, the only thing I want to do is play volleyball. And she said, Dad, I want to be on a competitive team. We could live anywhere we wanted in the area we served. We had like 27 counties we could live in. And so we did a little research, but you really don't know, but we hit the jackpot. We got on a team that last year was the best public school team in the state. And no public school team has ever won the state tournament. We were like 36 and 2. And we thought for sure we had a real chance to win. And, and we, we, we thought this was going to be the year it would happen. And we were playing in the regional finals. My daughter was starting on the back row because she's this tall. And, but we had a killer on that team. A 6-2, hit like a man, jump like a, a deer killer on the team. And she was meaner than a rattlesnake. That's a great combination for volleyball. And we were playing a team in the regional finals, getting ready to go to the state. And we knew that we were going to walk through this team because we'd already beat this team three times. It wasn't a big deal. Second set comes along. We're winning game point. The killer goes up and she kills the ball and she lands on her left leg and she tells her, tears her ACL. And our team had never learned how to play without her. And I was riding home with my daughter afterwards, and she said, Dad, I don't understand why this would happen. Hope derailed. Makes your heart sick. And then worse than hope delayed and hope derailed is when you hope in something and it doesn't measure up. You know, you, you, you have this misguided hope, and, and maybe even harder than unrealized hope is, is when your hope becomes reality and it doesn't hold water. You know, you wanted that job, you wanted that corner office, and then you got that corner office and that job and that bigger salary, and all of a sudden it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't feel that good. Or you, you put your hope in Mary and Prince Charming, and he turned out to be a toad. You know, that whenever you have misguided hope, it's frustrating. Failed hope always disappoints. Always. Failed expectations and failed hopes, it's depressing. And when it happens to you, you have this give up feeling that moves in. You know, what I found in life is hope is a lot like air to a balloon. Hope in our life kind of keeps us going. It keeps us afloat. When we have hope, it's like it makes sense. Our life makes sense when we have hope. We experience life like it was meant to be experienced, and we're enjoying it. Don't worry, I'm not going to pop it. <laughs> That's a wish, not a hope, okay? <laughs> the, it, it's just the way we're intended to be, but here's the problem. A lot of you put your hope in things that leak. You put your hope in a relationship. You put your hope in your job. You put your hope in making a little more money. 
You put your hope in a position. You put your hope in your health. And that's what a lot of people are living their life like. A life that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I've got two pieces of advice for you today. They're real simple. Maybe you're here and you don't go to church a lot. Take this. If you don't hear anything else I say, take this. Don't waste your hope on things that leak. Don't waste your hope on things that leak. And two, I would encourage you to put your hope in God because when all else fails, God is still on his throne. When all else fails, God is still in control. He doesn't disappoint. In fact, hope in God leaves us instead of deflated. It leaves us refreshed. And I love the way the Bible describes this hope we have in God. The hope of believers is called a a living hope. You might have caught on that we're focusing on our hope. And our theme this year is hope lives because the hope that we have in Christ, it doesn't doesn't leak. It, It keeps us intact. It lives forever. It doesn't decay. Now, you might be asking, why is hope in God a living hope? How do you know it doesn't leak? Why is it so different than hoping in things of this world? Well, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, has given us this living hope. And then he goes on in the next few verses to describe why this hope is, is living and why it holds up. And the first thing that he tells us is this hope is living because we have this certain confidence that there is a future that's better. Sorrow may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There is, there is something better out there. Our hope is in heaven. Notice verse 4. We have this living hope, and we have this hope into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, that is kept in heaven for you. Our hope is not purely in this world. We don't just put our hope in things that are decaying. Oh, it's okay to enjoy things, and it's okay to desire things. And, hey, listen, I wanted to get married when I was a teenager. I wanted to have kids. I, I wanted to, you know, do all kinds of things. But I, had to, I have to be careful not to put my hope in things of this world. Because everything in this world perishes. We live in the bondage of decay. Everything around us dies. Everything around us gets older. Everything around us wears out. And if you don't believe that, look in the mirror. It will happen. We can try to cover it up and we can try to mask it, but I promise you, it will happen. It happens to everyone. But notice, notice how different this hope in God is, this hope that we have in this inheritance in heaven. Look at the words he uses to describe it. He talks about it being imperishable. It never dies. You know, it never departs. You know, so many people's hope is like a $20 bill in the hand of a teenager. You know, it's here today, gone today. You don't have teenagers. You know, I mean, it's come on, we've been over this. It, that's the way so many people's hope is. It's, it's, it's imperishable, but, but the hope in heaven is imperishable. It's uncorrupted. The things of this world don't tarnish it. It's, we've got it. It's in us, and it's unfading. It's, it's there. We've got it forever. It doesn't go away. The reward 
that God has for us in heaven never wears out. It never fades away. And I love the fact that he uses the word inheritance. Because inheritance is more than a wish. You know, kind of, I mean, let's face it. You know, we'll talk real here, just me and y'all. Pretend your family's not listening. But, you know, if your daddy owns a business and he's whispered in your ear, hey, son, one day you're going to own that business, you know there's a pretty good shot you're going to own that business. Because it's an inheritance. It's something that has been promised to you. Now, if your family was dirt poor like mine, you know that you're probably going to inherit bills. (laughs) You understand how that works. But our Father in heaven owns cattle on a thousand hills. Our Father in heaven, the whole world is in his hands. And he says, I am promising you a home with me. And it's kept in heaven. It, It is kept in heaven for you. And it's protected by the power that is God. Now there's another thing that makes our hope unique, and that is it grows stronger with adversity. Notice verse 6. You rejoice in this hope, in this inheritance, in this living... It's going to be all right inside of me, even though now for a short time you've had to face various struggles. You've, You've had various trials that that are coming your way. In this passage, if you don't know the context of this passage, let me real quickly tell you, these were people who had been scattered from Jerusalem, and they're going out with this new faith, and they're telling people about it, and people think they've lost their mind. And they are turning the heat up on them. They didn't want this new faith in their area, and so they made it hard for them to get jobs. And and the heat was being turned up on them because they were being run out of their homes, and they were being falsely accused, and some were even being condemned to death for their faith. And even though they're having all these things happen, they're rejoicing in the middle of this. But I want to point out what he says. Peter wants to make sure that you understand. He, this, this faith will hold up with various trials. Whether it's being condemned because of what you believe or whether it's going through health problems. Or whether that trial is a strained relationship or a financial hardship. When adversity comes, if your hope is in God, your hope actually gets stronger. Now think how different this growing living hope is than the dying hope of our world. When you hope in a relationship, and that relationship's threatened, you know, a sickness comes in or empty nest, man, you're talking about deflated. Y'all know. Or, or if you hope in, in, in retirement, you know, I only got six more months. You ever seen those folks who are counting down the days? You know, and they're looking at their 401k and they know how much they've got and they know how much that if it's like it is today, how long they'll be able to make it, you know, and they know. What happens if in that six months the stock market crashes? Oh, man. It's like they've lost everything. Or you put your hope in your kids. Maybe your kids... You love them, you'll always love them, they're yours, but they made a lot of bad choices and it was hard to live with. And all that hope, you know, they were going to be the next president or whatever, all that hope starts diminishing. You see, the hope that the world offers diminishes when the heat's turned up. But the hope in God gets stronger. Verse 7, it says, you, you have this hope, you go through trials, and the reason you go through these trials is so that the genuineness of your faith 
may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. When the time's over and you're about ready to die, even though you've gone through hardship, you're still going to have this genuine faith in real life and real hope, and that thing you're living for is still going to be holding up. Because it, it lasts. Now, I'm not a runner, which you probably didn't need me to tell you. But I have tried a couple of times, and that's why I don't. Because when you first run, if you push yourself hard enough, before long, you feel pain in your legs. And then you feel that thing going on if you run really hard in your side. Have you ever felt that when you're running? And then your lungs feel like, oh my goodness, they they don't work anymore. What's going on? And, And I am told, and this is only hearsay, I promise you, I'm told if you push through the pain, before long you build endurance. And running can actually be a high in and of itself. Doesn't make sense to me because I've never pushed through. But for those who do, they say the hardship made them stronger. I don't know about running firsthand, but I know about faith. My my hardship... Is made stronger by my faith. Now, at this point, I think I need to call a time out and acknowledge that this is the problem that a lot of people have with Christianity. We're always talking about a one-day hope. It's going to get better out there someday. It's going to be better one day. And a lot of people say, well, what about the here and now? You know, my kids are still rebelling. My money's still tight. I still have health issues. And I want to tell you, our hope is not only will we be in heaven one day, but our hope is that God is with us now. And just being with him now helps us face whatever comes our, our way. We have a love that never ends. I love what he says here in First Peter, the very next verse. He says, you love him. Even though you're going through all this hardship, you love him. Even though you haven't seen him, you, you, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. <laughs> and then verse 9, I, I, I love how he says this. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith. What does that phrase, the way that's phrased mean? Because you are receiving. Because you are receiving. When is that happening? Right now. It's happening right now. It's not received. It's not going to receive. It is because you are receiving. When you walk with the Lord and you put your faith in Him, He keeps breathing life into you. And your life is sustained by Him being with you. And it's it's like He's saving your soul from meaninglessness. And He's making your life count regardless of what you go through. Okay. So the Christian hope endures even in tough times. Your question might be, if you're a little skeptical, and why wouldn't you be? We're talking about a guy raising from the dead. You know, maybe you're a little skeptical. Your question might be, how do you know the Christian hope is real? Why should we be confident in it? How do you know it's not just pie-in-the-sky stuff that's not going to turn out? How do you know that what you believe is any more valid than me believing there's little green men living on Neptune? How do you know? I think that's a great question. I I, I think it's a fantastic question. And and, and some people would say, and they think rightly, maybe you just talked yourself into believing. You know, into hanging on. You know, how do you know your hope will endure? Besides, all religions offer some kind of hope. 
I mean, let's just face it. Jews talk about a land of rest. Muslims talk about a paradise, a place uh, filled with ecstasy. Uh, Mormons say that you're going to own your own planet. Hindus say that you're going to reincarnate. Buddhists say that you're going to get to nothing. Woo-hoo, boy, that'll sell. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, <laughs> for giving me a real hope. Thank you for giving. But, but here's the question. How do I know that the hope of the Christian faith is not just like any other hope? Listen, those of you who think that you couldn't be more wrong because all of those other hopes, this is not a sum, this is an all, a universal, categorical Truth, all of those hopes are based on a dead man. Our, fo- our hope is based on the fact that a man died and rose again, and he lives forevermore. This is really what distinguishes the Christian hope from everything else. It's a living hope, not a wishful hope. We have this confident hope because it's based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Notice verse 3. It says, he's given us a new birth into, here it is, this living hope through the resurrection of the dead. You know why we meet on Sunday? Because Sunday's the day that history tells us he was crucified on Friday, and after Good Friday, he rose from the dead on that first day of the week on Sunday morning. And when we gather together, every day we gather together, we are telling the world we believe that he's alive. We believe that he lives. We believe that his resurrection is true. History tells us that on the third day he was, cru- or he was crucified, and then on the third day, Scripture says he arose, and all of a sudden hope changed. Up to that point, hope had died when people died. And it's the same for people today. Don't miss this. If you put your hope in anything but God, your hope will die when that dies. You put your hope in your marriage. Some of you have beautiful marriage. God gave you a gift of marriage. But if you put your hope in your marriage, and you're married for 80 years, and God gives y'all the ability to live and drive and do at 107, I can guarantee you there's going to come a day when your hope's going to deflate. It happens to everybody. Or if you put your hope in your abilities, you know, health fails us all. You know, isn't it sad to watch professional athletes hold on too long? You know, you watch them. They were great. I'm tired of the Kobe tour. I mean, they're giving him 75 shots a game to try to get 20 points so that he looks like he's still awesome. He's not awesome anymore. He was awesome. What, what? Why? His ability is like everybody else's ability. There's a reason Michael Jordan's not still playing. He's not good anymore. Right? That's the deal. You put your hope in your ability, guys, you're going to get old. Happens to us all. You put your hope in your wealth, you walk by the casket of any rich man, and he ain't spending a dime. You put your hope in pleasure. Some of you are just trying to make it through the day, and I just want to feel good, and if it's escaping on a vacation or ingesting something into my system that makes me forget about or whatever it is, those highs wear off, and they don't cut it forever, and your encounter leaves you empty. But when Jesus rose from the dead, this was a game changer. He says, I have died and you have hope of life in spite of death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And here's, you might say, well, why do you believe the resurrection? Let me tell you why I believe the resurrection. Okay? Here's where it started. Let's imagine that we heard news in Africa about somebody getting up from the dead. How many of y'all are going to be skeptical? 
I could lift my legs, I would. I'm very serious. No way. That doesn't happen. And if people said somebody over in Africa rose from the dead, that wouldn't change my life a lick. But if, if the funeral home director down on 18 said, man, I don't know what happened, but somebody rose from the dead. We had a guy getting ready to take all his stuff out, and he rose from the dead. Ooh, that's a gross image. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want to tell you, get my attention. But you know what would really get my attention? If everybody around Burlington said, Man, we've been watching this. He was dead. We know he was dead. And he's alive. Wouldn't that get your attention if thousands of people around Burlington started saying, we've met him, we've met him, we know he's real, we know he's real, people you love, people you trust, people in your family, people who you work with, people who you... That gets your attention. Let me tell you what happened after Jesus was crucified. History says he was crucified within weeks of his crucifixion. Not Christian history, Roman history says he was crucified. Within weeks of his crucifixion, Jerusalem has a new religion. 40,000 people, we are told in the book of Acts, believed in the place where they publicly watched him die. In the place where they could have said, hey, no, the body's still right here. What are y'all talking about? In the very place that was ha- it happened... The world turned upside down. And then let me give you one even further than that. The 12 men who knew him best. Guys who would have known if it was the truth or not. History says they went from cowards who hid behind closed doors to men who went out and proclaimed the gospel. And all 12 of them were martyred except for John. And he was exiled to the island of Patmos where at old age he wrote Revelation. But all of the disciples died saying it's not a lie. It's the truth. I I don't know about you, but if I know something's a lie and you're about to kill me, I'm fasting up. Right? These men continued to tell the story, and it turned the world upside down. And now for over 2,000 years, people have continued to believe in this truth, and they found hope in this living message of Jesus I was in Brazil a few years ago on a mission trip, and there's a family of seven living in a house about the third side of this stage. That's it. They walked two miles to church. Dirt floor, straw-type roof on their home. They would walk two miles to church one way every time the doors were open at that church. And I asked them when I was in the room. I couldn't get over it. I said, why do you do this? And they said, we put our hope in Jesus. Guys, hope in Christ floats. Hope in Christ keeps you alive. Many in this church have faced health issues. Some have encountered real economic struggles. Some of them have gone through tough, unwanted divorces. Some have lost children. And yet in the midst of this, they've found hope in the living Jesus. The real question today is, is not do, do some people in this room have living hope? The real question today is, do you have it? Do you have a living hope or a dying hope? Where are you? Is this you? Just making it kind of hoping for something to give me a shot every now and then. Or have you found something that sustains you? Have you placed your hope? in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the chance to share this message today.
I thank you for the hope that I've found in Christ. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would use this time that we reflect. Use this time to help us acknowledge that things in this world pass away. But, Father, I pray that we would see and be convinced in our heart that faith in Christ never perishes. God, I ask, Lord, that you would move in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.